The New Grad Physio podcast is hosted by Andy Barker, consultant MSK and sports physiotherapist, private practice owner and the founder of The New Grad Physio. Having experienced his own rapid rise from student to dream job just 15 months after graduating, Andy knows exactly what it takes to accelerate your skills and fly up the promotion ladder faster than you ever thought possible. Having previously worked in his dream role at the Leeds Rhinos as the head of physio and rehab, Andy now consults with a number of individual elite athletes and within professional rugby, football and dance whilst running his own group of private practice clinics. He started the new grad physio to help student and new grad therapists just like you overcome the specific challenges you face at the start of your therapy career, helping you to dodge the common pitfalls that can cause confusion and overwhelm with your clinical practice and stop you getting the patient results and the jobs or promotions you deserve. This podcast will deliver you actionable advice, will help you make sense of your patient assessments, reason your treatments, and patient rehab to get results well beyond your level of experience. You will also discover what you need to do to open doors, to create opportunities for yourself, so you can enjoy the best possible start to life as a new grad physio. So, let's get started. So, just in the clinic the other week, so week before last, uh, a patient asked me this direct question. She said, why has nobody ever explained this to me like that before? And to give a little bit of context, she'd been struggling on and off with pain in her knee for about five years. Pain in the front of your knee and clinically this this was, you know, patellofemoral pain. And she'd been around the houses and what I mean by that is she'd been to see every Tom, Dick and Harry about, about her. And she'd seen, uh, I think she had a total of seven or eight physios she'd seen during this period all for the for the same problem and she was what we'd probably describe as a perfect patient she would do absolutely everything all the physios had told her in the past to an absolute t she'd do every rep you know every set of rehab two three times a day whatever had been prescribed and she'd always get back to this point where she'd feel better the knee would be pain-free she started to build up through her rehab. She'd get back to running. Sometimes she broke down quite quickly. Sometimes she was actually able to get back running. And it might be a week, two weeks. In one case, it was around about six weeks. Um, having done all the rehab, she builds up her mileage with her uh, trail running and the pain would come back. And the pain would often come back and it'd often be worse. Generally speaking, it was worse each and every time this happened. The most interesting thing with her was she didn't actually have a knee issue. Clearly, she was getting pain in the front of her knee. She had, you know, patellofemoral pain, and no doubt, if we imaged her knee, you know, there, there may be some chondral changes and, and some irritation there, and some, you know, some some structural, uh, you know, damage to to her knee. But the real reason her knee was sore was because it was overloading, and this directly related to a couple of things, both things that we identified during the subjective assessment and those things were a previous knee issue which was actually on the opposite side so her unaffected leg and the fact that two of her three pregnancies were via a cesarean section so this information was from the subjective but it was like gold dust and it helped to piece together the information that I needed to explain what was going on to the patient and ultimately 
really, you know, be clear on on what had happened in the past, which is ultimately what it, what we, what I would call the the patient story. And what that patient story gave me was the clues that I needed to investigate her further. So when I, I got into the objective assessment, I knew exactly what I was looking for and ultimately what I wanted to test. And there's a couple of key things here, which were her knee on the opposite side. Clearly, I also assessed her her affected knee, uh, which obviously which showed up some you know some stuff, um, and also her core, which you know were were vitally important, if not more important than the actual um, the knee was which was actually giving her pain because ultimately this patient did not need rehab. She you know knee rehab. Sorry, she she spent the last five years doing every single knee exercise you could think of and glute exercise. Um, spending thousands and thousands of pounds on physiotherapy, plus even more on orthotics, new trainers, uh, biomechanical analysis of all types, running analysis, you name it. You you know you think of anything you could do to assess a uh, a patient in private practice. She'd had it done. She'd been to all basically all around the, the north of England to see all these experts and, and you know, these different physios and had recommendations to see all these different people, but they could not get on top of her knee pain. And I'm not telling you this to try and impress you to say, oh, I've done this, I've done that, I'm better than all these, these physios. Completely the opposite. What I want to do is impress upon you, um, I guess, what I did a little bit differently to all those, those therapists in the past and what you can do to actually do a, a better job with the patients that you work with. And that starts with your subjective assessment. Because if you do a great job with your subjective assessment, it is easy to find the right patient diagnosis and also the cause of your patient's pain. And that's even so if you're a young and inexperienced therapist. And even if you have complex patients like this who have maybe failed rehab in the past, patients that have more than one issue going on at the same time, you know, you do a good job with the subjective you should be able to identify each and every time the cause of your patient's problem. And then what you do then is, as you were taught at university, you have your hypothesis and then you test it out in your objective assessment, ultimately to try and prove or disprove the, the hypothesis that you've come up with at the end of the subjective assessment. But on the flip side, if you get this wrong, then what usually happens, and I see this all the time, with the therapist that I, I work with when I first start working with them, they're relying too much on their objective assessments, often doing too many tests, which not only increase the chances of you getting a false positive, but you also risk the uh, the chance of irritating your patients. Special tests particularly are provocative tests. They provoke pain or instability. So they're likely to flare your patient's symptoms up, usually at the point right before you're going to try trying to fix them, so right before you go into your treatments or start to prescribe rehab, the last thing you want to do is unnecessarily irritate your patient because you're making your job ultimately harder. And But the biggest thing of all, when if you're unsure, if you miss things out with your subjective assessment particularly, you're going to get to the end of your assessment and you're going to be unsure what the patient's actual problem is. And then if you don't know what the actual problem is, you're likely going to take a stab in the dark and with a patient like this with patellofemoral pain, you're probably going to do what all those other physios did in the past and give them knee rehab for their you know, knee pain. Give them some glute rehab for their knee pain because you've not probably you've missed some important information out and probably not got all the information you need. 
um, to make the right call regarding their diagnosis, their problem, and ultimately what you should be focusing on during the treatment plan. But all these issues can be avoided if you nail your subjective assessment. So here are three critical mistakes made commonly by new grad physios that result in a poor subjective assessment. These are all mistakes that you want to avoid if you want to find the right patient problem, you want to progress a patient through a full rehab plan with confidence, knowing that you're attacking the right patient problems and you're certain you are treating the right thing. So number one is slow down. Probably the biggest misconception new grads have around their initial assessment is that you have to do everything in that very first session. And by everything, I mean completing your subjective and objective assessment, giving hands-on treatments, which is especially a pressure if you work in the private practice sector or even sport. And then, as well as that, you have to explain, demonstrate, prescribe some patient rehab, so they've got exercises to go home with. Um, and on top of that, get them out of the room, um, write your notes, do all your admin, book them in, take payment, depending on what sort of environment you're working in all in the very first session. And that is a lot to get through. You know, you might have 45 minutes or even 30 minutes for, for a new patient assessment. You might have a little bit longer, but even in, even with 60 minutes, that's still a, not a lot of time to get through, you know, a lot of a lot of stuff and, and to actually to be able to, to do it well. But the fact of the matter is, you don't need to do all this. The key to a great assessment is getting the right information. This is true for both your subjective and your objective assessment. So if we take a little step back and we think about what is the aim of your patient assessment. So when I say assessment, I mean subjective and objective assessment. And it's threefold. We want to identify your patient's diagnosis, which we use both a subjective and objective assessment to do that. You want to identify the patient's problems. So that's different to diagnosis because a problem might be a loss of shoulder range of movement. It might be a lack of hamstring strength. And ultimately, you're going to find those problems out via the objective assessment. And then finally, and thirdly, we want to identify the patient's end goal and devise a treatment plan to achieve this. And ultimately, that comes from solely from your subjective assessment. That's it. A diagnosis, patient problems, and we have an end goal and treatment plan. That is the aim of any patient's initial assessment. The beauty about those things is they are largely unrelated. And what I mean by that is you can identify any of the above things irrespective of one another. So, for example, even if you have a really tricky case, the diagnosis of, of the patient is a little bit unclear. Maybe you can't decide what it is. You know, it's, it's really vague, bizarre. It's a, the most strange patient you're ever going to see in the, uh, in the clinic ever. But even that said, you can't get a diagnosis. But what you can identify from a great subjective assessment is your patient's end goal and the information that you need to map out their treatment plan. You can do that solely from the subjective assessment. And you should still be able to identify the majority of your patient's problems, like certain movements, positions that cause them the, the biggest issues. Again, and that's solely from your subjective assessment. So that's two of the three. And that's we've not even spoke, you know, spoken there about the objective assessment. That's that's solely the subjective assessment. If you do it well, you're going to get some really valuable information that can really help you to know you're on the right track with your patients. But the key to this is not to rush. The subjective assessment takes as long as the subjective assessment takes. Now I've had initial assessments, 
um, with athletes um, and with private practice patients where we've not actually even got on to the objective assessment. I can think of a handful of patients I've seen, particularly really complex ones in the private practice, where we've not even got through really the, the full subjective assessment. That's because they've had really complex um, issues, a lot of stuff going on. A couple of them have broken down during that process and it wasn't probably appropriate to carry on with the assessment. The whole host of different things that, that you will be subject to, you know, in the in the weeks, months and years that follow you as a as a physio. These things are real life. You know, not every assessment is going to go uh, by the script and how you were how you were taught at university but the important thing is that we we have we get so much valuable information from a subjective assessment and we need to do it correctly and it takes as long as it takes it's at the start for a very good reason because it's the most important thing we do you know it's going to inform everything else you do after that point including what you test in your objective assessment to the type of hands-on treatment you might do to the rehab you might prescribe with your patients so don't rush it you know you get the subjective assessment wrong, you're making your task to find the right patient problems and to fix their problems much harder when you, when you don't really need to do. So make sure you get the right information before you progress and don't progress before you feel like you've got all that information. So I've got, an, I've got another tip that relates specifically to that. If you feel like you get to the end of your subjective uh, and you haven't got all the information, what you can do to ensure that you have. But tip number one, it's all about slowing down, taking your time to get the information that you need. Number two is know your shit. So regardless of the issue, regardless of the patient's problem, you know, regardless of who comes into to your clinic, 95% of what you're going to ask your patient, the questions, should be the same for each and every patient. Now, you should know all the questions, almost all the questions you're going to ask your patient before they even come into your room. For, so for sure, there might be a few additional questions you might ask specific to the patient in front of you. You might have to dive a little bit deeper into some of the responses they're given to rule out a possible red flag, for example. You might ask some joint-specific questions that might be really important for, for a lower back or a knee or a shoulder. I, I get that. But 95% of what you're going to ask is going to be the same. For every patient, regardless of their severity, irritability, regarding you know, regardless of, of what the problem that they they have. So what this gives you, if you have a clear structure to what you're going to ask, the questions you're going to ask during the subjective assessment, it's going to give you two things. It's going to give you clarity about exactly what you're doing, and which also gives you the confidence, and that comes across well to your patient. So you sound professional. You command a degree of authority. And that happens even as a young and inexperienced therapist. It stops you mumbling like I was just mumbling then by not getting my words out very well um, for your questions and, and maybe sounding unsure in front of your patient. You know, patients believe confident therapists. If you're not confident in the questions you're asking, if you don't understand the questions you're asking, then how can you expect your patient to have you know, trust and faith in, in what you're in what you're doing as a as a physio. You can't, you know, if you went into an appointment with a doctor uh, and they were, you know, looking away, looking down, you know, looking at their screen all the time or looking at the paperwork to, to almost, you know, you can tell they're just reading questions. It doesn't flow very smoothly. They don't just roll off the tongue. It feels quite forced and robotic. You know, patients, you know, don't, don't like that. They they want it, they want to feel relaxed. They want to feel like 
you are confident in what you're doing, that you're professional, that you have the answers ultimately to their questions, and you don't do that by by mumbling through a series of questions. And and the big thing as well that I that I find with particularly new grads is often you'll you'll go through that subjective assessment and you'll ask questions that you don't really understand why you're asking them. And ultimately, this is clinical reasoning. We talk about clinical reasoning all the time, about, I guess, having the, the why behind what you're doing. So in a subjective assessment, that would be, I'm asking this question, and I understand why I'm asking the question. So I guess the, the, the big pitfall that a lot of therapists fall into is that you just, you just fall into the trap of just asking questions because you were taught to ask them in a particular way or a particular order. You know, you need to ask yourself why you're asking that particular question. What does it mean? And what do the, you know, the, the most you know, common answers to that question actually mean? So how, how, if that's not going to give you any information that's valuable, it's not going to help you know, guide the remainder of your assessment, whether that's possible additional questions in the subjective, or it's not going to feed into your objective assessment. The question I would ask you is then why are you asking it? If it's not giving you anything helpful, or anything to work with, then you need to consider whether it's actually a valuable question or not. And the questions I ask now, me personally, and, and, and I teach the therapists that I work with exactly the same way and the same method, is very, very different to the subjective assessment that I used when I first started out. Ultimately, the subjective assessment that I was taught at university. So again, you need to have structure to your subjective assessment. This gives you the confidence, gives you the clarity, that you can tackle any patient that walks through the, the clinic door, regardless of the injury that they have. And ultimately, it's going to give you the confidence you need to deliver a sound and effective subjective assessment. Number three, if it sounds wrong, it probably is. So when you're going through your subjective assessment, the idea is get to the end of your subjective assessment and you've got a fair idea what you think the problem might be. That's your primary hypothesis we've talked about hypothesis before you come up with that at the end of your subjective assessment or via your subjective assessment and then what we do then is we test that out in the objective assessment sounds pretty clear easy however there'll be times with patients you see where you get to the end of your subjective assessment and it doesn't make sense it doesn't quite make sense not all the dots are sort of um you know, pieces sort of linking up and, and you may be a little bit unsure as to what might be going on. And if you were to stop, if you have the time there or you're under an exam condition, for example, you're in an assessment that but you think about your time back at university or, or whatever else may be, you're going through like a practical assessment. If your lecturer or another physio was in the room watching you and they stopped and said, what do you think is going on? And you weren't sure then why are you moving on to the objective assessment is a question that I that I would ask. So you might get some really complex patients that have a lot going on, which sometimes it can be really hard to make sense of what's going on. And, but these patients are typically one in a thousand. You know, the other 999 times, you should be able to extract the information you need to identify the right patient diagnosis and problem list. So if you get to the end of your subjective and you're a bit uncertain and the answer, you know, it just does not sound right, you might need to ask some of the questions again. You might need to go through particular parts of your subjective assessment. Again, just for some additional clarity. You know, you might have to frame the questions slightly differently 
um, you might just need to ask some additional questions to dive a bit deeper in, into a particular area. You know, the patient, you know, in, in fairness to them, they might have just misinterpreted what you asked. Sometimes patients think information is not important and they almost filter what they what they tell us. And sometimes you might need to explain, you know, about why you're asking certain questions and, and to get the right answers. If they don't really understand, they might withhold information and that might not be because they don't want to tell you, they just don't really understand why they're giving it. So they, they think it's not important and they don't give you that information. And that piece of information might be might be key to their problem. You might be able to unlock whatever issues they, are, they have got. And it might be something that, um, in the case of the patient I mentioned right at the start of this podcast, that other therapists have not done before. They've not connected the dots between ultimately this patient's past medical history and what was going on going on currently they'd all focused on the knee pain and not you know not treated uh, the knee as well as the opposite knee and also the issue she had around her core related to her two previous c-sections that was a difference you know i didn't do any magic rehab uh, i just probably did a better job with the with the subjective um, assessment so again don't move on until you've got all the information you need from a particular question you know it's it's sometimes really easy to gloss over things you're watching the clock all the time you know you know you've only got a little bit more time you want to dive straight into the objective assessment you know you you want to get to i guess to the the, the sexy bit which is all the special tests and get your patient up moving around um that's so many therapists really enjoy um the almost the questioning seems like the boring bit but it's the most important bit you know and whether it's you know there's a, there's a big reason your subjective is at the, the start of what you do with each and every patient you see. So it's the first thing you do with each and every patient you see, and that's for a very, very good reason. It informs everything else you do. Yet so many therapists brush over it. You, you know, you're almost too eager to get, like I said, to those sexy bits, to the objective assessment, especially those, you know, those special tests. But you know, if you don't use do your subjective well, you could be guilty of missing some really key information, and that could really limit your ability to make the right call and identify the right patient diagnosis. You know, and and ultimately, then you rely too much on your objective assessment. It puts so much pressure on you unnecessarily to actually find out what's going on and rely too much sometimes on the objective assessment and and why would you do that why would you make life harder for yourself and why would you do that when we know that for certain joints particularly joints like the shoulder uh, and other joints too that objective testing and particularly special tests are so poor for these for these areas of the body why wouldn't you do the easy bit well it's easy asking questions it's much easier asking uh, patient questions and extracting information like that than it is to get out of them objectively where you might have pain that's going to hinder the assessment process you might have other problems going on and other issues that may or may not be related to their current problem in relation to how a patient may move and how they may present objectively it makes no sense right so why why would you miss out this this really important you know aspect and part of your assessment and, and not do it to its entirety because you're ultimately making your job so much harder and again that makes total logic. That is, you know, reasoning. You know, reason beyond belief. But again, so many therapists, even experienced therapists, don't do a great job with their subjective um, assessment. So, 
hope you found that useful. There's three there's three tips there to to avoid the I guess some of the big mistakes that that therapists make with their subjective assessment. So first and foremost, slow down. Know your shit. So you need to know what you're doing. And if it sounds wrong, it probably is. So again, don't be afraid to go back over things if you've not got the information you need. All those things combined ultimately tell you that please do not move on from your subjective assessment if you think things are missing. If you've not got all the information you need, you know, you need to go back, you need to review, you need to ask questions again. Because again, the subjective assessment takes as long as a subjective assessment takes. You need to get all the information you can and that's ultimately for the purpose of making your life beyond that point, so into your objective assessment, as easy as possible. You know, if you've not got all the information, you're almost trying to assess a patient with one hand tied behind your back. You know, you're making your life so much harder than it needs to be. And ultimately, that is why so many new grad therapists make the wrong calls, get the wrong diagnosis, focus on the wrong things. And ultimately, that's why you know, so many of their patients, you know, often don't progress um, how they would like or at the you know, the speed they would like. And that's often not to do with the treatment techniques they're using or the rehab exercises they're using. They're often focusing on the wrong things. And that ultimately is down to um, an, 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 an inadequate, sorry, um, assessment. And, and, and obviously the subjective assessment is half of your patient assessment alongside your objective assessment so really help what i've covered in this podcast is going to you know help your practice you can take it into to what you're doing with your with your own patients and again just just reflect on your next few patients the the patients you see and and how well the job or not you do with your subjective assessment hopefully you can impart some of the information i've you know, put together as part of this podcast into your own practice to, to get the most out of your subjective assessment. If you want to go a bit deeper and you actually want to, to learn how to put together a simple, structured and clinically reasoned assessment, you want to learn how to link your subjective and objective assessments together easily so you look and feel confident in front of your patients and discover how to take the information you get from your subjective and your objective assessments so you know exactly what to focus on and exactly what treatment techniques and exactly what rehab exercises to prescribe, then reach out to me. So the easiest way to do this is head to neurophysio.com forward slash membership. You can learn about what the membership is. There's some details there around some of the content delivered as part of the subjective and objective assessment modules. If you want to learn more, just head to the bottom or click any of the links, fill in the short online form, hit submit, and then I'll review your application. And if I feel like you might be a good fit for the membership, then I'll get right back to you. Um, that's a lie. I'll get back to you regardless, even if you're not, just give you some guidance as to, to what or, or how you could, you know, get over the problems, challenges you've got at the moment. But if you are, you know, seemingly a good fit for the membership, I'll give you some more information about how you can get on board. So that's newgraphphysio.com forward slash membership. Finally, thanks as always for your time and attention. I love doing the podcast. I love recording these episodes. I love the therapists that reach out to me and, and say how how much the, the episodes have, have helped them. So please, you know, let me know if you find it helpful. Let me know if you don't. Let me know any um, feedback, you know, good or bad. You know, I'll, I'll take it on board. Uh, and any ideas for any future episodes or anything like that. So again, please don't hesitate to, to get in contact 
with me. So thanks again and enjoy the rest of your day, whatever you've got planned. And I will see you all soon on the next episode of the New Grad Physio Podcast. Thanks for listening to the New Grad Physio Podcast. Before you head off, I just wanted to make sure you did not miss this. Alongside his podcast, Andy posts a weekly blog on his website, www.newgradphysio.com. You can access all his blogs and loads more resources like his recent PDF, The 5 Breakthrough Steps to Confidently Treat the Shoulder Right Every Time, Avoid Mistakes and Stop You Feeling Less Adequate Than Other New Grads. This is Andy's most popular resource and has already been accessed by thousands of therapists just like you. To get a copy of this PDF or to get more information about Andy's upcoming courses or find out more about his new grad physio membership, head to www.newgradphysio.com. Have a great day and we will catch you on the next podcast episode.